redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace Thank you, Lord, that the eyes of each one's understanding flooded tonight. Leko sakelete papa, lekaroko tonekelene mamamba, lekarakato nakalede baba, engelede mosakeya. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we come tonight with joy in our hearts expectant. And we thank you, Lord, that we come humbly and respectfully before your holy written word. Revelation knowledge is gifted everybody tonight under the sound of my voice. I decree that bodies and yokes are destroyed. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. Your people are built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. So we rejoice tonight that nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise, glory, and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer sees a powerful amen. amen. Lift up your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built on. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Are we excited to fellowship with one another in the world tonight? Can we rejoice and celebrate our fellowship in this house? Glory! Amen! Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self tonight as we get into the word of his grace. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network on social media, on social media, YouTube. We want to welcome all the saints, everybody connected by way of YouTube, wherever you're watching around the world. We're glad to have all of you in the service, guys. Help do me the favor you've always done. Let's get this message to the ends of the earth. I'd like you to share the video, share the links of the video in as many social media platforms as you belong. The links of the video, the links of the service. Drop them on WhatsApp groups, drop them everywhere. We're going to have an exciting study tonight of the word of his grace. We also want to welcome all the radio audience in Aquaibon, whichever, whichever radio station you're hearing the sound of my voice tonight. We're so glad to have all of you in the service, guys. It's going to be an exciting study as we examine the riches of redemption in the light of Jesus Christ. Call a friend, a family member, ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. We also want to welcome all the citizens across the different nations of the earth for connecting to the service life. Guys, it's a joy to know that we can study together real time in the light of Jesus Christ. Can I have a powerful amen? All right, let's get in the word. We're still examining the doctrine of sin is Soteria season 10. And we're beginning with the first installment of the forgiveness of sins and repentance from sins. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 15 and 16. <clears throat> and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, the word ophilimos, useful or advantageous. He draws the borderline where you can derive profit or usefulness, where you can derive benefits, advantage from the scriptures. He says the scriptures are only profitable for doctrine. The word didascalia, which is teaching or explanation of the subject matter. Salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the scriptures will only profit you when salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, is explained or taught. Now, when the explanation and the teaching of scriptures are made available to you in the light of salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, it will give you the second benefit, which is the word reproof. That word reproof there is overwhelming evidence or persuasion or conviction. And as a result of conviction, it will take you to the third goal, which is the third benefit, which is the resetting of the mind, the word correction unlearning, relearning, so you can come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, when correction takes place and you're open now to make adjustments, it will now deliver to you the next benefit that will accrue as a result of, of doctrine, which is instruction in righteousness, what we call spiritual growth. So there can be no genuine spiritual growth until salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, is taught and explain to a point where you are persuaded and fully convinced in the light of scripture that delivers to you a time where you make adjustments, unlearn, relearn, and see things the way you never saw them before in the light of scripture. That is when you can now arrive at spiritual growth. That's when you begin to grow. That's when you begin to mature in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's important for you to know that the entire Bible is a theology. The entire Bible is a theology. And the theology of the Bible is Christology. The entire Bible is a theology. And the theology of the Bible is Christology. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So the Bible is a Christocentric material that delivers a Christocentric message. So the Bible is a theology, but the theology of the Bible is Christology. The word theology means study or knowledge of God. Theology, study or knowledge of God. Many a time we get to be confronted with questions. People ask us questions around scriptures. Is it right to eat? Is it right to drink? Can I marry my wife? And those questions look simplistic and we tend to want to provide a quick a quick kind of answer you know a yes or no and and uh, we want to be fast but every question from or around or about scripture no matter how minute it is must be given a rich robust and well-researched answer a rich robust and a well-researched answer, no matter how minute the question. That's why the, the man who asked me the question yesterday about what I just finished teaching over an hour, 
I asked him to go and listen 12 times. It's not punishment. That's how tedious and how dutiful a sincere person who really wants to know what the scripture teaches ought to apply to the study of God's word. If, when you went to university or secondary school or whatever kind of institution of learning you went to and you were about to write exams, there was no casual approach about writing exams. You took time to read dutifully. You read day and night a subject that human beings communicated. You studied day and night. Some of us were so dutiful in school that we cheated sleep. And we cheated sleep by applying measures. We took coffee, very black tea coffee. And when the coffee is failing, we put our legs in cold water. And we sat all night making sure we studied to pass exams on a document that is written by human beings on natural matters. Then now you want to approach spiritual realities, the subject of God in a casual manner. Can you see how serious people are? There is a diligence. There is a, there is a commitment, a studiousness required in unveiling the riches of redemption from the pages of the Holy Scriptures. And that is why Romans chapter 15 verse number 4, Romans chapter 15 verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That word written for our learning is the word written for doctrine. Because the word learning there is the word didascalia, is the word doctrine. That's the meaning of the phrase learning. It's used for scholarship and research. Paul reiterated this as... All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So every attempt to answer from scripture must be given a determined research in answer. A determined research in answer. Now let's take a cue from Jesus himself who is our master. A cue from Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 3. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? So that's a question. A theological question. That's a Bible question. Asked Jesus. And the question sounds very simple. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Observe, Jesus didn't say yes. And Jesus didn't say no. Bible questions are not answered with a yes or a no. He didn't take that route. It's misleading. He asked them to go and research. To go and study. Look at that Matthew chapter 19 verse number 4. Matthew chapter 19 verse number 4. The way Jesus answered theological questions. And he answered and said unto them. Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Have you not read? That's how Jesus answered them. Have you not read? He could have said yes. He could have said no. But you don't answer theological questions with a yes and a no. Have you not read that he that made them at the beginning made them male and female? Have you not read means researched and studied carefully? Have you not researched? And studied carefully the word anaginosko. A-N-A, anaginosko, G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Anaginosko. 
is to learn as in school. The word under is over and over. A learning as one who is in school. Then that word is over and over, Anna. Now this will forms much of Jesus' answers. Look at Matthew 12, verse 3 and 5. Matthew chapter 12, verse 3 and verse 5. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was unhungered and they that were with him? Have you not read? That is the way Jesus kept answering. Have you not read what David did? Look at verse, 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 verse 5, verse 5, verse 5 of Matthew 12. Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Or have you not read? He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. Have you not read in the scriptures? Have you not studied carefully? Have you not researched? Hence, Jesus at his resurrection, his disciples did a reflection on his past three years or so and knew it was his modus of speaking. They knew it was his modus of communication. In Luke chapter 24, verse number 44, Luke chapter 24, verse number 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. These are the words. The phrase words is the term used for study too. The word logos. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. These are the words logos. This is the study. That I did with you while I was yet with you. So they were reflecting in retrospect upon believing. Look at John chapter 2 verse 21 to 22. John chapter 2 verse 21 to 22. But he spake of the temple of his body. Next verse. When therefore he was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. When he rose from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had taught them this. They remembered. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will only remind you after you have been taught by a man. The Holy Ghost will not remind you what is not in the scriptures and what has not been taught you. Then they remembered because he told them destroy this body and in three days this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And they said how can we destroy the temple? Do you know how many years it took us to build that temple? Then when he rose from the dead they now understood that the temple he was talking about was not a physical temple, it was his body. Then they remembered the things he had studied with them. That is the Holy Ghost now took what he, they learned before with what has happened now, put it together to open their understanding. So the Holy Spirit does not open your understanding in isolation of the teaching of scripture. 
He doesn't open your understanding in isolation of the teaching of the scripture. It is upon the teaching of scripture that the Holy Spirit will open your understanding. Am I communicating at all? Because John 14, 26, look at what he says in John chapter 14, verse 26. Give us audio on that mic. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. What he will bring to your remembrance is whatsoever I have said. He's not going to throw knowledge from abstract. He's going to bring to your remembrance and open you up to what I have already taught you before. What is already written. It's not going to be some strange knowledge falling from the sky. Again, the term here is to cause to think over and look at it intently. A word used for study. Look at it instantly. So answers around God and his word must be given more rigorous and dedicated response. Answers around God and his word must be given more rigorous and dedicated response. That is how a professor or any professional handles his field. A professor or any professional is not casual about his field. Those of you that are educated among us here, if you were a, a master's degree holder or you were a PhD holder and you've been asked to give a speech at the United Nations, you're not just going to go and appear at the United Nations. You will make research. You will make inquiry. You will seek for people that have been on such platforms before. And ask them what does it feel like to be on such platforms. And what am I expected to deliver at such platforms. You will engage. You will prepare your documents. And you will get people that are more experienced than you to go through your document and critique it. Because you are going to be standing on a global platform to make a presentation. You take time, day and night, on just a, a little subject that you're going to present at the United Nations. And then when it comes to the word of God, you just scratch your head and say, just answer me, yes or no, yes or no, answer me. Look at, that is why many church people drink fuel and eat grass. And they believe it is the Holy Spirit. They roll on the floor. They go to the village and bring sand. And they believe the Holy Spirit is walking. They drink bottles of anointing oil and they call it God in a bottle. You do err because you know not the scripture nor the power of God. So the power of God is not in isolation to the scripture. That's why Paul will say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power. So the gospel is the power and the gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So even God's power is within the confine of the scriptures. The Lord was walking with them, confirming his word with signs and wonders. 
So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth, the written word. It shall not come back void, but accomplish what I please. He watcheth over his word to perform. So the performances of God are at the instance of his written word. God doesn't function outside the written word. God does not function outside the written word. God does not contradict the written word. So Bible questions are not for a simple quiz or multiple choice or easy does it answers. It must lead your audience and those who listen to you to study. Somebody got angry and said this Dr. Damina is a very funny man. That's how he wrote it. He said, every time we ask him questions, he will invite us to go and listen to the series. Why can't he just answer? <laughs> that is why native doctors will use your head because you want quick answers. Everything that will last is not done quick. Anything that will last is processed. It takes time. Knowledge that will last and knowledge that will be relevant in years to come. You studiously and painstakingly acquire such knowledge. You don't casually pick it by the roadside. I'm doing a how many hour series. Only God knows how many hours this will be from the way I'm already going. Only God knows. Maybe 50 hours. And then somebody will go and listen to part 45. And pick a one minute sentence and say, can you see heresy? He can't even explain heresy, even in pidgin English. He can't explain that word. Maybe it's a new English he just found, heresy. It takes time. It takes time. It is the explanation, what we call exegesis, that will eventually bring you to an understanding of the truth. And then you yourself will answer your question. It is you yourself that will answer the question. If you follow the thought and we travel through the scriptures, you will arrive at the answer by yourself. So it becomes your persuasion from the scriptures. Am I communicating at all? Yeah. That's why it takes us hours to teach. That's why we patiently shut down this month. Because we are serious people. We are not just jokers. We are, not, we are not jokers. We are very serious about our work with God. We are serious about our relationship with God. And we are serious about fulfilling the plan of God for our life. We are serious about fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives. We don't want to go through life like people who happen to life accidentally. We came here on a mission. And we want to accomplish that mission. But in order for that mission to be carried out, we must be well equipped. Jesus spent 30 years on earth to do a ministry of 3 years. 30 years to do a ministry of 3 years. And 3 years of ministry till tomorrow the world has never recovered. Preparation time is not wasted. Preparation time will determine your manifestation time. It takes time. When I stand before you to teach the word, do you know how many hours it takes me to prepare a teaching of one hour? You know how many weeks? It takes me time. I go through the scriptures. If I'm going to read the book of First John, I read First John, the whole chap, the whole chapters in First John, over and over. I read Second, I read Third John. I go over them four, five, six, seven, eight times, so that I have the entire picture of the communication before I zero in on the subject matter. 
It takes time. Then I do word study. Then I break down the vocabulary. I go to the Greek and the Hebrew to ensure that everything is consistent. Then I sit down to think about it. Then I began to look, I began to look for illustrations that will help me buttress the matter. It takes time. Then I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit. Then I settle down in my study and I go into a mode of meditation. And in the meditation, I stand before this pulpit in my meditation and I will teach the whole message to you in the spirit in my meditation before I appear here physically. So nothing is given to chance. I don't scratch my head to teach. Every time I come here, that's why ministry, death worketh in us that life may work in you. It's not casual. It's not casual. That's why if not because of Jesus, we will have said, God, punish anybody that will insult us when we teach the word. Because of the tediousness, they have no idea. Just stand up and be careful. <laughs> Glory to God. Have you not read? They say, Jesus, can I divorce my wife according to the law? Huh? Have you not read? Have you not diligently studied and read? Because if you did, you won't ask this question. Which means the answers to questions will be found in the process of study. In the process of study. That's why whenever I answer questions on ask the counselor, I tell you that these questions are not, these answers are not exhaustive. The only reason why we give you answers in ask the counselor, they are teasers. So that if in the course of studying you missed out something, we give you fillers to fill it in. But somebody that has not been in the study cannot comprehend the depth and the height of where the answers are coming from. Teaching good tonight. Glory to God. First John chapter 1 verse 9. The forgiveness of sins and repentance from sin. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, not according to my confession. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption, where? In his blood. So what is redemption in his blood? The forgiveness of sins. Acts 26 verse 18. Brother Paul's mandate. What God told Paul. What God gave Paul to preach. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. From darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God is called receiving the forgiveness of sins. 
from darkness to light, from Satan to the power of God is called receiving, receiving the forgiveness of sins or inheritance among them that are sanctified. Forgiveness of sins. So the Bible says when we preach the gospel, people receive forgiveness. They don't ask for it. They receive it. They don't ask for forgiveness. They receive the forgiveness of sin. And God has given, given it already. That's why people can receive it. And then so in First John chapter 1, where we took time to do some work yesterday, you know, brother John was talking to the church. Now, but can you see quickly before I even break things down that forgiveness of sins are offered to the sinner. The same forgiveness that you and I have today as a child of God was the same forgiveness available to you when you got born again. So First John chapter 1. The first thing I'd like you to take note of here is that First John chapter 1 is a narrative. First John chapter 1 is a narrative. He is talking to people who have fellowship with God. First John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. First John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Next verse. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and shew unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Next verse. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he is writing so you can have fellowship. And he's writing to those that are already in the light. That the first three verses are for those that are already in the light. Now, from 1st John chapter 1 verse 1, we observe carefully that John did not address anyone in particular. Much unlike what he did in 2nd John, where he was addressing the elder unto the elect lady and her children. Specifically, 2nd John chapter 1, 2nd John chapter 1 verse 1. Read for me. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. So Second John was addressed specifically to the elder unto the elect lady and her children. What about Todd John? Todd John verse 1. Todd John was addressed to Gaius. Todd John verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. So specifically... Third John was addressed to Gaius and second John was addressed to the elder unto the elect lady and her children. But first John was a narrative, not nobody specifically addressed. Now note further, every time John talked about believers in first John, he was very specific. Please, I beg you pay attention. Every time John spoke to believers in first John, he was very specific. Look at 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you. That is specific. My little children, these things write I unto you. 
Now he's speaking to believers. First John chapter 2 verse 12. First John chapter 2 verse 12. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven. So he's writing to believers. He was specific. First John chapter 2 verse number 13. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Yes. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Yes. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. So it is specific. Fathers, young men, little children. I write unto you specifics because now he's speaking to believers. So every time John spoke to believers, he was specific. Look at First John chapter 2. Okay, we already read that verse 12. He wrote to the fathers. First John 2, 13. He wrote to young men. Now, but from First John chapter 1 verse 2, he now spoke about eternal life. Read it for me. First John chapter 1 verse 2. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. Which was with the Father and was manifested unto so, us. So as he opened the letter, he mentioned eternal life. Then he taught it in details. In First John chapter 5 verse 11 to 12. Please read for me. First John chapter 5 verse 11 to 12. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this, is, and this life is in his son. In his son. Next yes. verse. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So now he dealt with eternal life in detail. That means once you receive Christ, you have eternal life. But in chapter 1, he mentioned eternal life. He dropped it because he was going to teach about it later on in that scripture. Now he also explained that receiving Jesus will be by faith. Receiving Jesus will be by faith. Then 1 John chapter 1 verse 3, he begins to speak about fellowship. And he speaks about our fellowship being with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Then 1 John chapter 1 verse 4, John was very specific here. And this is what he said, read for me 1 John chapter 1 verse 4. And these things, and these things and these write we unto you. That that your joy may be full. These things write we unto you, believers, that your joy may be full. Very specific there. The question therefore will be to ask, who are these you that he speaks to? You know something funny. I was go just going through social media. I know you now say, ah, Papa goes through social media a lot because that's my evangelistic field. <laughs> so I was going through social media two days ago. <laughs> this is funny. A guy who was supposed to be my friend over the years, okay, was supposed to be my friend, has my number, has my details, but looking for cheap popularity. Looking for what? popularity. If he was ignorant of what I'm teaching, all he needed to do was humbly and simply call my phone. Hey, Dr. Damina, you said this. Can you explain further? He went to social media and displayed his ignorance there. See, so when John was writing on this forgiveness of sin, that means he's following this teaching. The moment you hear them attack me, they've been following. 
It's just that they are not following with a clear heart. So there's their, their, their heart is not pure. It's corrupt. That's why they can't hear revelation knowledge. He says, so who are the we? Who are the we that John was talking about? And the, the, the administrators of that particular page are a branch of our church. They said to him, because they recognize him as a man of God. They say, sir, we will forward your questions to Dr. Damina. If he's watching, I'm disappointed that you couldn't call me. So I will address your ignorance in public. <laughs> the question, therefore, will be to ask, who are these you that he speaks to? Without much ado, he was speaking concerning those who have eternal life. Who have fellowship with the father, the son, and other believers. Please don't miss those specifics. He was addressing or speaking concerning those who have eternal life. Who have fellowship with the father. Who have fellowship with the son and other believers. Those are the people he was addressing. This follows what John taught in 1 John chapter 2 verse 12 to 14. He says they have known the father. They have known him who is from the beginning. Then he goes further to refer to them as brethren. Put it up for me 1 John chapter 2 verse 7. He addresses these people that have known the father. That have known him from the beginning in 1 John chapter 2 verse 7. Read it for me. Brethren I write no new commandment unto you. He calls these people brethren. Adelphos, brethren, people of the same paternity, people who came out of the same womb. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old co- commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. In verse 5, he speaks of the message which he acclaimed. To have declared unto his audience. God is light. And in him. Is no darkness. At all. Then verse 6 of 1 John chapter 1. It was from this verse that it appears. That those John was addressing changed. Because observe the pronouns. He begins to use in this narration. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6. Read for me 1 John chapter 1 verse 6. If we say that we have Stop fellowship. There. If we say, verse 7, verse 7. But if we walk in the light. If we walk, if we say, verse 8. If we say that if we have If we say, fellowship. are you observing? If we say, if we walk. Okay, read again from verse 6 for me. He has already finished with the brethren who are in the light, who are in fellowship with one another, whom he calls brethren. From verse 6, he changes the narration. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say, next verse, next verse. But if we walk, next verse, verse 8. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sin. Are you paying attention here? If we confess, who then are in the category of we? When you read verse 6, 7, and 8, we have the following information. Number one, 
they were a category of people that were still in darkness. They were a category of people that were still in darkness. Number two, they were still in sin. They were still in sin. Number three, they have no fellowship with the father, the son, and fellow believers. Number three, they have no fellowship with the father, the son, and other believers. Verse six, verse seven, verse eight, verse nine of first John chapter one. Look at the category of people he was addressing in those verses. Number one, they were a category of people that were still in darkness. Number two, they were still in sin. Number three, they have no fellowship with the father, the son, and fellow believers. So he now explained to them in verse seven, why a man has fellowship with the father, the son, and other believers. And even why a man is cleansed from his sins. Which is by the blood of Jesus. In verse 7 he explains to them. Why a man will have forgiveness. Why a man will have fellowship. Why a man will have fellowship with other believers. Which is by the blood of Jesus. Then verse 9. John now told them how this can be done. If we confess with our mouth, believe with our heart the Lord Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes you study the Bible like you study literature. Because the Bible also is a piece of literature but loaded with spiritual information. So you don't throw away your literature way of study just because it's Bible. All of that will come in handy to help you arrive at the truth. Remember, Bible language is not heavenly language. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah is not a heavenly language at all. <laughs> Hallelujah is a Hebrew language. So actually that song is supposed to be Hallelujah is a Hebrew language. <laughs> is a Hebrew language. <laughs> is a Hebrew language. Religious people will not like me for this, but that is the truth, brother. Calm down, sister, calm down. It's a Hebrew language. Hallelujah, it's Hebrew. It means praise the Lord. It's a word for praise in Hebrew. Hallelujah. It's not heavenly. The Bible was not written in heavenly language. The Bible was written with earthly language, human language. So that is why it must be studied like literature can be studied because every literature is written in human language and there are rules for reading and there are rules for writing. That's why in school you did comprehension. Right? Abi, you did all of that. And there were rules with which you wrote those things. You wrote essays. There were rules governing them. So if there were rules in writing, there are also rules for reading them. I'm teaching good here. The vocabulary, the grammar, all of that must be taken into consideration when reading the scriptures. And then when you have understood all of that, revelation knowledge now opens up. 
So you are well grounded and nobody takes advantage of you. I'm teaching good tonight. If I am, can I have a powerful amen? amen. So be, understand that that is the premise on which brother John spoke about. If we say, verse 6 of chapter 1. If we walk, verse 7 of chapter 1. If we walk, verse 8 of chapter 1. If we confess, verse 9 of chapter 1. Now he has finished with the them. He has finished with the we's. Then chapter 2 verse 1, he changes audience. First John chapter 2 verse 1, he has left them with, he now says, he now comes home. My little children, these things write I unto you, specifics that you sin not. And if any man sin, confess. Is that what he says? What did he say? If any man sin, we have an advocate with the father. I didn't hear somebody shout a powerful amen. Is it clear? I said, is it clear? I'm not hearing you. I said, is it clear? If it's clear, can I have a powerful amen? So scriptures must be read together. Scriptures must be read together. First John chapter 1 verse 9 is a narrative of how we come into fellowship with God by believing the gospel and by faith. A narrative of how we come into fellowship with God by believing the gospel and by faith. That is why John wrote First John chapter 1. It's a narrative of how we come into fellowship with God by believing the gospel and by faith. First John chapter 2 verse 12. That is what has happened to us now. Now that we have believed the gospel. First John chapter 2 verse number 12. Put it up. I write unto you little children. Why? Because your sins are forgiven you because you confessed. What did he say? Your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Question. What is his name? Jesus Huh? No, his name is not Jesus. His name is his office, which is a product of his sacrificial work. So for his name's sake means for his work's sake. When he says whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, it's not J-E-S-U-S. In my name means whatever you ask the Father, based on what my resurrection has done, my Father will give it to you. In my name you shall cast out devils. It's not just in Jesus' name. That's why the seven sons of Sceva used Jesus and the demons gave them the beating of their lives. So the name of Jesus is beyond the label. It's an understanding of the office, the work of Christ, what he has done. Based on the authority of his finished work, unclean spirits out. You don't even have to put in Jesus' name. Knowing what that work has done, the consciousness of that, enough. When you speak, demons will know this one knows what that work is and they will obey. There's an audacity that knowledge gives you. There's an audacity that knowledge produces. And the devil knows that, ah, this guy, <laughs> he knows what he's saying. Seven sons of Sceva. In the name of that man, Paul, they came out and gave him the baby because this guy talking doesn't know anything about it. 
In my name you shall cast out devils. In my office, in my sacrificial work, based standing on what I have done, standing on existing protocol, you cast out devils. You heal the sick. Glory to God. Say with me very loud, I cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Say, I am in that name. Are you in that name? Are you in that name? For who did Jesus acquire the name? For you. He acquired the name for you. So you are the beneficiary of the name. You are the one that will benefit from the name. That's why the prayer is in the name. The authority is in the name. Demons are cast out in the name. Not just label, but beyond the label, understanding the totality of the package. The death, burial, and resurrection. 2,000 years ago, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. Knowing that when you speak to demons, you don't apologize. You speak to them as one in authority. Say, I know the name. Say, I am in the name. Say, the name belongs to me. Glory to God. I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named we are in the name we are part of that name we are the ones that that name was acquired we are the ones that the name was obtained for and he obtained that name by inheritance and he obtained that name by conquest yeah the father gave him the name inheritance he obtained the name by defeating death and satan conquest he got that name in all the different ways any human being can get a name. And today when you stand, you stand in that name. When you speak, you speak in that name. When you pray, you pray in that name. And when you walk, you walk in that name. And when you sleep, you sleep in that name. And when you eat, you eat in that name. Whatever you do, you do in the name of the Lord. Because you are in the name. Glory to God. Teaching good tonight. Your sins are forgiven. So 1 John 1 9 does not speak to the Christian. Because the Christian has confessed Jesus Christ as the propitiation for his sins. Now we are saved. Our sins are eternally forgiven for his name's sake. The believer has his sins forgiven. Now the word forgiveness is the Greek word aphesis, aphesis. It means to send away. It's not a pardon. It's not like God pardoned you and kept it. It's not a cover up. God didn't cover your sin. He sent it away so that you and that sin can never meet. He sent it away. The word aphesis. So never again will sin stand between you and God. It has been sent away. Jesus' blood has given us access to the Father eternally. Glory to God. I'm, I'm getting happy tonight. Because you know many of us are sin conscious. Many say what about the unconfessing? Nothing like that. I told you yesterday. If God will ever bring sin against you because you did something wrong, then God lied. Then God lied. 
He has told us he has put all our sins, past, present, future on Jesus already. And he's faithful. He's faithful. So when you stand praying, pray like a man that is forgiven by God. Confess Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his death. I thank you for his burial. I thank you for his resurrection. I give thanks to the Father who has made me a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in life. I thank you, Father, that 2,000 years ago, by the blood of Jesus, Jesus disarmed principalities. Jesus disarmed powers. I thank you, Father, that by the finished work of Christ, I am seated far above principalities and powers. I I thank you, Father, that by redemption, nothing shall by enemies hurt you. I thank you, Father, that by what Jesus has done, I trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Nothing shall by enemies hurt me. I thank you, Father, standing on the name and the finished work of Christ. I have guaranteed to answer prayer. I thank you, Father, that you hear me always. Just thanksgiving can take 30 minutes. Because thanksgiving alone is praying a prayer of faith. Thanksgiving is saying, Father, I don't even need you to do anything. Because these are the things you have already done. So right now I'm taking, I'm lamba, I'm, I'm, I'm lambanoing. Lombade dado saketa pale, pale, pale. Pale, pale, I lambano, I take, I seize. It's mine in Jesus' name. I told somebody we shall glory. He said, thank you, Father, that my body has been bought with a prize. Therefore, I glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which are God's pain, cannot stay here. Disease cannot stay here. Sickness cannot stay here. This body has been bought. I thank you, Father, that by your stripes I am here. I thank you, Father, that you have set before me an open door. No man can shut that door. I thank you, Father. Father, just thanksgiving alone. That's why every teaching on prayer with thanksgiving. Every teaching on prayer with thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is the highest realm of faith. Abraham was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Being fully persuaded that faithful is he who has promised. Who was able also to perform. He stood in faith. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. How did we know he didn't stagger? Thanksgiving. At the grave of Lazarus. Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Multiplying of bread and fish. Father, I thank you that thanksgiving... Is the believer's lifestyle in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. And only a man that is free from sin consciousness can walk in this audacity and understand. Teaching good. See that let's push a few more bullets tonight. Zibo Lakata. If you have to confess your sin every time you're under the law. And your conscience will never be free. You will always have a consciousness of spiritual death. But if you confess Jesus and his sacrificial work every day, 
Father, I thank you for all you have done for me in Jesus. You've taken away the sins of the world. He became sin, I became righteous. I have peace with God. I'm justified by faith. You will not impute my trespasses again to me. You will not charge sin to my account. I am as holy as Jesus. Accepted. Blessed. When you do that, you are considering Jesus. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Don't consider your feeling. Consider Jesus. Don't consider the circumstances. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our profession. That is when we speak, Jesus goes forth to make it happen. Apostle means somebody sent out. So Jesus is the sent out one to ensure that our profession is honored. So when, when I consider Jesus and I speak what God says, Jesus goes forth to see to it that what you said comes to pass. He watched to perform. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of your profession. Profession is where you have confession. He's the high priest over your confession. So you begin to say what God says. You begin to say what God says. There's no scripture that tells you to confess your sins before God. No scripture. You confess the word. You confess all he has done through Jesus. He has done so much for me. He has taken away my sorrows. Glory, hallelujah. He's coming to take me home. He's done so much for me. He's taken away my sorrows. Glory, hallelujah. He's coming to take me home. Somebody say, what does he mean? He's coming to take me home. Mortality shall put on. That's the home. He's done so much for me. He's taken away my sorrow. Glory, hallelujah. He's coming to take me home. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. We shall appear with him. Mortality shall put on immortality. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's whom. Here we are strangers. We are pilgrims. We are passing through. But one of these days, we'll be home. Oh, Jacolataya. I feel I'm teaching good tonight. If you're catching my flow, shout, I hear you. Zabora Katana Kata. Never again will sin stand between you and God. Never again. It used to stand between you and Jesus. Before, I mean, between you and God before you met Jesus. But now that you are in Christ, you are in fellowship with God. That is eternal. So he says, I will never, 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 ever forsake you. That's an unconditional commitment. How many of you know that your tears will never bring the righteousness of God? Only the blood can. And that blood has been shed once. You are a recipient of what Jesus has done. Read for me Psalm 103, Psalm Agetobe. Psalm 103 from verse 1 to 3, talking about Jesus. Psalm 103, 1 to 3. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Yes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Yes. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who forgiveth all and healeth all. Those are the benefits. Read for me, read for me, verse 8 to 12. Verse 8 of the same Psalm 103, 8 to 12. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. When you hear slow to anger, it, the meaning is not like he gradually becomes angry. That's English language. This is Bible language. Slow to anger means no anger at all. That's the meaning of slow to anger. It means there's no anger in him. Okay? And plenteous in mercy. Next verse. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Next verse. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Read it again. Read it again. He He has has not dealt... He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. How do we know he has not done that? Next verse. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Next verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Your transgression will never stand between you and God as far as the west is from the east and the west and the east never meets. So you and sin will never meet. You and sin will never meet. Look at Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 and 19. Who is the God like unto thee Mm. that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? Yes. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Yes. Next verse. He will turn again. Yes. He will have compassion upon us. Yes. He will subdue our iniquities. Yes. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Where are our sins? Depth of the sea as far as the... Give me, give me, give me message translation. Micah 7.19. Read for me the message translation. And prepare amplified after the message. Read on, sister. And compassion is on its way to us. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. To the bottom of the ocean. Where they were going to go and find Titanic. And Titanic, Titanic them. It's too far. Give me MPC. He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the into sea. Into the depths of the sea. Give me that Psalm 103 message translation. Verse 8, verse 8 to 12. Message translation. I'd like you to read for me. That's Psalm 103 verse 8 to 12. Message. God is sheer mercy and grace. Not easily angered. He's rich in love. Next verse. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold. Nor hold grudges forever. Next verse. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. Next verse. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love to those who fear him. Next verse. And as far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins. He has separated us from our sins. Isn't this beautiful? Say with me very loud, sin can never stand between me and God. Forever. Say there is only one man that stands between me and God. 
What is his name? So we confess Christ, not our sins. God is not about to ask you to pay for sins. It has been put once on Jesus. Your sins are eternally forgiven in Christ. So that's why the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, brother Paul will now say in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians, not Exodus, Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He has blessed us with all. What are these blessings? Next verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The blessing is that he has chosen us in him. Next verse. Another blessing. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. He has predestinated us according to the pleasure of his will to be children by Jesus Christ. Next verse. Another blessing. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Next verse, next verse, another blessing there. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That is part of the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. We are already blessed with them. We are not going to be blessed. We already have all of these are our realities our new creation realities, our spiritual realities in Christ Jesus. Now pay attention. Now so, if you see anything that appears like the Old Testament in the four Gospels, it is not a measure of covenants. If you see anything that appears like the Old Testament in the four Gospels, it is not a measure of covenants. Is actually a transitional stage. In the four gospels is a transitional stage. You know, the four gospels was the closing stage of the old covenant. And normally, when a dispensation is about to end, you will foresee the realities of the new dispensation. You will foresee the realities of the new dispensation. So Jesus spoke in what we call in theology, Ihori statements. Ihorist. And for those of you that want to spell Ihorist, it is I-O-R-I-S-T. Ihorist. I-O-R-I-S-T. To speak of the future as though it is happening. One of the Ihorist statements Jesus made in John is that I am come that you may have life and be abundant. When he said it, he said it as though it has happened. But nobody had life until he died. So that statement was an Ihori statement. To speak of the future as though it has happened. Ihori statements. So in the four gospels, you will find Ihori statements. Now the four gospels is the Old Testament. How do we know it was the Old Testament? There was still temple worship. There was still temple worship, which is what Moses instituted. There was still temple worship. They still had high priests in force in the four Gospels. 
until Jesus spoke in John 19:30. John chapter 19 verse number 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. When Jesus said, It is finished, it was not sin that was finished. It is finished was not sin. How many of you remember I taught you? For sin to be finished, the high priest must go into the holiest of all and put the blood on the mercy seat. And the blood is not put in people's presence. It is put in people's absence between the high priest and Jehovah. So finishing sin was when Jesus appeared in the presence. So this it is finished on the cross was that the Old Testament and his demands have been fulfilled and finished. On the cross was the end of the Old Testament. That was where the Old Testament ended on the cross. That's why Jesus in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Next verse. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass... One jot or one title shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So the law was made for Jesus. The law of Moses was not made for you. The law of Moses was made for Jesus. That's why he came to fulfill it. I am not come to destroy the law because the law was made for me. So since it has made for me, I have come to fulfill it. The word fulfill, you know, Pastor Praise, that's why it says, These were the words I spoke unto you. That all these things must be fulfilled, which were written where? In the law of Moses. So he came to fulfill it. Now, the word fulfill the law means to bring it to a conclusion. The word fulfill. To bring it to a completion. To fulfill its demands. To fulfill its demands. So Jesus did just that. And he fulfilled the demands of the law by his death. Galatians 3.13. Galatians chapter 3 verse number 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So he was hung on the tree so that he would redeem us, buy us back from the curse of the law. So Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by his death. Romans chapter 10 verse 4. Romans chapter 10 verse number 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To, so the moment you believe in Jesus, the law has no hold on you anymore. He's the end of the law for righteousness. So when is that brought to an end the law? But you know in the fourth gospel, he had not died for sins. So the fourth gospel is an extension of the law with Ihori statements. So the four gospels was the Old Testament at the very end of it. Now, in Matthew 3, you will see something similar to the concept of confessing sins. Matthew chapter 3 verse 5. Matthew 
chapter 3 verse 5 then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. Next verse. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Why? It was still the Old Testament. John the Baptist was a prophet of the Old Testament. John the Baptist is not a New Testament prophet. In fact, he is the last prophet of the Old Testament and the greatest of all good John the Baptist was the greatest of all of them he was the greatest so I'm not the only one they call good John the Baptist was not a prophet of the kingdom of Christ he was not a prophet of the kingdom of Christ. He was a prophet of the Old Testament. Jesus said it, John, Matthew 11, 11 to 12. Read for me, Matthew 11, 11 to 12. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So because he's not a prophet of the kingdom, that's why the least in the kingdom is greater than him. The least among us who just believe the gospel and is born again now is greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is greater than the rest. Are you following what we're teaching here? So when they say, Dr. Damina say, if Elijah come, he will enter Sunday school class. Won't he enter Sunday school class? Uh-uh. When even the least among us is greater than John, and John is greater than all of them. How do you read? It's just simple logic. If the least in the kingdom is greater than John, the greatest of all, in the Old Testament. <laughs> Sitala. Put it up again. Matthew 11, 11. Leave that in. Read for me, JP. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Among all them that are from Adam to Moses. <laughs> Even Moses is not greater than John. I mean more. You know Uncle Mo? See, you guys don't understand that guy. Moses like this. Moses threw his hand to the sky and as he was bringing it down, manna rained all over Israel. Jesus had to get a small boy to give him a point of contact. Then he prayed over it before people could eat. Moses just did like this. All over the land. Jesus walked on water. Only him walked. The disciples couldn't dare eat. They were in a boat. The only one that dared it started drinking water. Jesus ran and said, Come here. Why did you doubt? Mo took three million people. When they came to the Red Sea, he looked at the sea and did like this with his eye. The sea, pew, he told them, Pass. As they passed, he was the last person to pass. He looked at the water as he blinked his eye. Boom. Mo. John the Baptist did not heal headache. But John the Baptist is greater than Moses. A man of God is not known by the miracles he produces. A man of God is known by the revelation of Jesus. 
That's why John the Baptist looked at them and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away. That was the most accurate, most articulate prophecy of the Old Testament. They kept saying, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. Moses kept saying, brazen serpent on a pole, the seed of the woman, blood on the doorpost. John says, see him here. What all of you are prophesying and, and dramatizing, see him. Ah, Jesus said, nobody's greater than this one. Because this is the most accurate, the most specific, the most articulated prophecy. Of all the prophets of the Old Testament. Yet the least in the kingdom is greater than John. Because John is not a prophet of the kingdom. He's a prophet of the Old Testament. Am I teaching here? Now give me verse 12 of that scripture. Verse 12 now. Matthew eleven twelve. And from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom until of heaven... now. Wait. JP. <laughs> until when? Now, until now, does it mean now? <laughs> you were not there. The now was not the now of now. It was the now of then, before he died. So this verse that people are quoting today for violence is not a today's verse. It is a verse until that now, not our now. You must sit where they sat to hear what they had. Until now, you are not the audience of the now. They were the audience of the now. Is it clear now? So, until now, read on for me. Until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The word suffer means to allow. The kingdom of God allows. The word violence means advance in Bible language. It doesn't mean fight. From the days of John the Baptist until when Jesus was speaking, the kingdom of God suffers, allows violence, advancement. Huh? And those advancing will seize it. Those advancing will seize it. That is, those among them that have advanced in understanding will partake of the kingdom. That's what it means. It's not... Right from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Shall take it. Eh, eh, calm down. Be calming down. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Bible language. Allow the little children. So the kingdom of God allows violence advance. And only those that advance can seize it. That is become a part of it. They can take hold of the kingdom. That's the meaning of that verse. Is it clear? That's the meaning of that verse. So when we preach the gospel, only those who advance can take hold of salvation. It's a scripture for salvation. 
It's not a scripture for holy anger. First of all, there's nothing like holy anger. So John was the last prophet of that dispensation. And he spoke under the law. He was the last and the greatest. So John spoke under the law. That is why under John, they were confessing their sins. That's why under John, they were required to confess their sins because it was the same testament. But after Jesus rose from the dead, we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And if any man sin after salvation, don't confess. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Haven't you had some good food tonight? Glory to God. Somebody shout, I am eternally forgiven. Eternally accepted. Now stand on your feet. This one is, you need to stand to say this one that I'm about to say. Turn to your neighbor say, hey neighbor. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say neighbor, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Sin can never stand between me and God. Jesus is the mediator that stands between me and God and is the payment for my sin. Glory to God. Somebody bless the night. Shout glory. Can we rejoice for a few seconds tonight? Glory to glory. Ay, 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 ay. Glory! Blessed is the man. Unto him God imputed no sin. You wake up 2 a.m. You don't need protocol. Zekonta. Bredaga. Thank you father that you hear me. On your way to work. Things are not looking good. Jikotaba. Lebranaga. You rearrange them. You rearrange them. You exercise authority on the earth. And the earth responds to you. Glory to God. Blessed is that man. Whose sins are forgiven. Thank you Lord Jesus. And Lord tonight we rejoice for the opportunity we have to learn to grow. To be equipped. To be established and anchored. In the knowledge of all you have made available to us. Revelation knowledge keeps growing big in our hearts until nothing else matters. Barriers terminated. Obstacles removed. Clarity upon clarity. And we rejoice that men who sit in darkness have seen great light. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Glory! 
Grab your honor offerings. Let's give tonight. As I get ready to join Mr. Michael Bush in ask the counselor now, you know, um, let me quickly announce as you're getting your worship offerings together, your honor offerings. Those online, the banking leaders are scrolling radio audience. I'm going to read the account for you in a minute. If you're a minister of the gospel, you're a pastor, you're a man of God, you're a general overseer of an independent ministry, but you follow my teachings and I am responsible for your doctrinal persuasion. It's time for us to come into a fellowship so that I can share more with you and I can have more personal contact with you. Those of you that have written, you're already getting responses from my office. All right. So if you're a pastor, you're not aware of this. I want to quickly to shoot a mail to me tonight. Tell me the name of your ministry. Tell me the location of your ministry and tell me things about your ministry and uh, indicate that you want to be in fellowship with me. And then I will send you a quick email because at the end of 30 days of glory, I'm going to have a conference with every one of you that reaches out to me and we establish protocol on how I can always be available to give you resource and help the work you're doing for the kingdom of our Christ. The email address again is Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Or you know ministers of the gospel that are feeding from what I teach. You know them around the world. Reach out to them. Tell them there's an opportunity like this and encourage them to write in and reach out to me because the Bible says, when we see the day of Christ approaching, we must not dismiss the fellowshipping of ourselves together. It's so critical. As the days get darker, our light must shine brighter. You need that fellowship. It's very important. They went back to their own company. It's critical to be a part of a company. Now, I want to pray for the offerings. Those of you on radio, the bank account is Power City International, FCMB, 2982-68-2028. Zenith Bank, 10, 12, 36, 59, 12. 10, 12, 36, 59, 12. Lift your offerings up, Father. Thank you for the privilege to give tonight. We give in faith and we thank you for the opportunity to honor you. And we are so grateful and honored that our resources will be used to advance your purpose. To reach men that sit in darkness. To promote your kingdom and to build your people. And we thank you for the privilege to give. And we give continually with joy. In Jesus name we pray. And every believer says a powerful amen. Now listen to me, those of you on YouTube, we're going to sign you off, you know the drill, and then we sign on again, so look out for the next, the next, the next going live on YouTube, and connect, connect, get more people to connect, as we bring clarity to doctrinal questions, and ask the counselor now, alright, God bless you, anywhere on the pulpit, drop your offerings, hit the music. We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com.